Customers are rushing to your store. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a mm, real POS? You need Shopify for retail. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into the one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers in line and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. Get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point-of-sale system, or use Shopify's POS Go mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash theathletic, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash theathletic to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash theathletic. We've been waiting on you. You shouldn't have even gone to bingo. Damn nut. Kiss my ass. Good morning, Swim World, and welcome to the No Dunks Podcast on the Athletic Network. It's Friday, April 15th, and this is the drop. Happy Passover. Happy Aster- Easter weekend. Aster weekend, I was about to say. <laughs> so happy probably. NBA playoffs. <laughs> happy Aster weekend. Guess my Aster. Uh, I think that's exactly why I said that. Uh, I'm Jay Skeens alongside me. Thanks to the power of technology. Yeah, we're back in the yard. It's Tass Mellis. How's it going, everybody? Hey, Tassie. We got our top shot hot boy, Trey Kirby. Hey, Hey. hey yo. yo. International man of mystery taking it to the max. Lealis. And finally, making the magic happen. He was jealous of Andrew Schlecht playing in the yard. It's super producer, JD. <laughs> so jealous. <Yeah>. God. <laughs> it's so easy, guys. Don't worry, gonna, guys. I'll, I'll take myself out, and I'll see you in an hour and a half. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Go do your doctor's appointment now. I should. I really yeah. should. Uh, we'll be back, hopefully, in the Classic Factory on Monday. Shout out to the stream team, though, for joining us live right now on YouTube. Subscribe, like, comment, share the show. Email in your NBA questions to nodunksattheathletic.com. Uh, check out yesterday's new No Buffs episode, our Survivor podcast. Topics included feasting on Applebee's, Roxroy's Exile Island Vacation, the return of the shillelagh of time, and, Lee, you'll like this, mm-hmm. how you would do on Survivor. Mm-hmm. That was a, a question that somebody sent in. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I guess the question was, who would suffer more on Survivor, Lee because he couldn't have breakfast or Skeets because he couldn't shower? <laughs> so that was the debate. And then we really started talking about how you would do. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also learned, you might like this, uh, Tass, Lee, everybody joining us here on No Ducks. Jonathan, one of the guys on Survivor, giant dude, right? His normal breakfast, Lee, mm. eight, 18 eggs, nine pieces of cheese and grits. 
Uh, I'm not surprised he's a big gentleman then. Yes. Uh, he's consuming uh, <laughs> that amount of calories. It uh, doesn't really gr- dry, jive with someone who's uh, a thin person, I would say. So uh, <laughs> he's a big hey, boy. if that's what he likes for breakfast, then good on him. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we uh, also got this great tweet I just saw, JD. You'll like this. Uh, Jeremy says, listening to no buffs, I love my no dunks boys covering basketball, but I find myself always either agreeing with Jason Doyle or being compelled by what he has to say about Survivor. He is the MVP of no buffs. Wow. This two-hour episode was the best of the season so far, so he was agreeing with you there. Well, to be fair to you guys, I put my entire week into that show. You guys just like <laughs> yeah. show up, you watch the show right beforehand, and then you just come on and wing it. I deep dive, I think about it. I'm in the shower. I'm thinking about what mm. am I going to say on next week's no buffs, and uh, so that's that's well, it's just more work, really. That's it. Well, you can tell because you're killing it. Uh, the people are loving JD's uh, no buffs survivor thoughts. So anyway, go check that out uh, on today's drop podcast. We're going to get you all set for tonight's final two play-in games. We're going to take a big picture look at the NBA playoffs that start this weekend. We'll discuss which series we're most excited for and why, which role players to maybe keep an eye on this weekend. So that'll be a lot of fun. We got Tweet of the Night. We got Rapid Fire. But let's start with a deep dive on the 2-7 matchups in both conferences because we've done our previews and predictions for the 3-6 matchups, for the 4-5 matchups. So if you want to know what we had to say about those, go check out the podcast from earlier this week. But let's start in the West. Grizzlies-Wolves. Lily, four-game regular season series between these teams, tied 2-2. D'Angelo Russell balled out in the series. John Moran averaged about 20. All but one game decided by eight points or fewer. So a lot of close games. Um, What's the key to this series for you, Grizz-Wolves? Well, I love this matchup. I think it is going to be a fascinating series because the Grizzlies did everything right during the regular season. You know, won a ton of games. They proved they could win without their all-star and Ja Morant for more than 20 games. And I think what's really key here is they led the league in important defensive categories, which can have an impact come playoff times, like rebounds, steals, and blocks. They were relentless on the defensive end. And then on the offensive end, they were pretty good too, leading the league in fast break points, second chance points, and points in the paint. And the last one I think is significant because the Grizzlies' weakness is three-point shooting. They make them at an okay rate. They just don't make as many as other teams, like the Minnesota Timberwolves, who, believe it or not, took more and made more threes than any other team this season. I was a little surprised to see that this morning when I was going through the stats. They don't shoot them at necessarily the best rate, but still, they're knocking them down. They made about 300 more in total than the Grizzlies just this season. So uh, I think early on, though, in a game and a series, if you can get inside, get some high percentage looks, what like the Grizzlies like to do. John Morant loves to get into the paint. I think that is vital for a team that, Look, they made the playoffs last season, but the expectations when you are a number eight seed as they were last season versus a number two seed this season are completely different. Anything that they got out of last season's playoffs was gravy. This season, when you're the number two seed, you were expected to win your first round series fairly comfortably most of the time. So I think the uh, the Grizzlies are deserving favourites in this series, but it still feels a little to me like they're ahead of schedule. You know, they sort of improved almost too much this season. They were too good if that's such a thing. And that's why I think if you're the Minnesota Timberwolves, there's no reason to think that they can't go in there and and steal this series. I mean, they've already shown incredible resilience in one game. It was just one game, but they won the playing game against the team. I I can't remember if we all picked the uh, Clippers to win that. I certainly did. They were going up against an experienced team, and they won it 
without their all-star, Carl Anthony Towns, he was a no-show for, I mean, literally the entire game. He fouled out, and even in the minutes he did play, he just wasn't very good. They've got a very good offense in, uh, in you know, offensive guys in D'Angelo Russell, Carl Anthony Towns, of course, when he does play. And then Anthony Edwards, he already showed he's ready for the big time. And then, of course, defensively, They've got Patrick Beverly, who is going to impact this series, maybe to the detriment of his own team, maybe to the benefit of his own team. But you mm-hmm. know that Patrick Beverly's already got his eyes on the Jarmorant matchup. He wants that battle. He wants to see what he can do to slow him down. So I think there's so many different things in this series that can impact it. Uh, again, I think that the Grizzlies love to get out and run, get into the transition and score a lot of baskets because they're not going to bomb away from three and the Memphis Grizzlies uh, probably are. So it's going to be fascinating. I think it's going to be close. I, I'm picking the Memphis Grizzlies to win this series, probably in six games. But I do think, as you mentioned there, Skids, through those games, eight points are under. I think we're going to have a close series because the Grizzlies certainly aren't a proven playoff team right now. Obviously, the Minnesota Timberwolves are not either. But I just feel that the Timberwolves probably look at this matchup and go, you know, obviously they'd rather Memphis over Phoenix. And they'd probably even rather Memphis over Golden State simply because of the experience factor that that Golden State has. They may be injured, but I think um, Memphis hasn't proven anything beyond the regular season right now. So I think it's going to be a fascinating series. I'm really excited for this one. What do you think, Tass? Just as excited as Lily for this one? Yeah, I'm pumped. Sure, the Wolves would want to pick the most inexperienced team at the top of the bracket. That makes sense. Uh, but the Grizzlies, I think, have a few things going for them uh, when it comes to the Wolves. I was concerned about the Grizzlies' offense and how it would translate to the playoffs because, as Lee said, uh, they like to get it moving. They led the league in fast break points, and they led the league in second chance points. Two categories you'd assume would probably be taken care of a little bit more in the postseason mm-hmm. when teams get back on defense, teams take care of the glass more. But uh, the, the Wolves have the fastest pace in the league. They like to play the fastest. And the Grizzlies are second. So I think that bodes well for the Grizzlies. If it gets into a track meet at home with the Grizzlies' home court advantage, uh, that bodes really, really well. Because yeah, the Grizzlies... Fourth in offense overall, but only 22nd in half-court offense. When things slow down, when it's strictly the jaw show and he has to take over. Uh, And I think he can do that uh, because I don't think it's going to be a a great defensive showing from the Wolves where they they get back uh, and stop this team. Uh, Jaw led the league in points in the paint this season of any player, which is a dumb stat. Just think about that. John Moran had more points in the paint per game than Jokic or Embiid or anybody. It's usually, it usually was Shaq's stat, then it was Giannis's stat, mm-hmm. and now it's John Morant's stat. And, and I think uh, he'll be able to do that against this Wolves team that likes to play fast. So that bodes well. If it was a, a better a defensive team that, that got back uh, or that didn't play as fast, I think that would be uh, different for the Wolves. Or, I'm sorry, for the Grizzlies. But the Grizzlies have got to be, uh, to me, the most exciting team going into this weekend as a, a home court team. I just want to watch their fans. I just want to watch uh, them, uh, you know, embrace a team that, yeah, it's their first foray into the postseason. But I think this is a pretty decent matchup uh, for them. Uh, I think they, they've they got some uh, bigs that are, you know, more athletic even than uh, the Wolves' bigs, and uh, I think they can they can get after it with Jaron Jackson Jr. on the boards, with Brandon Clark on the boards. So they love getting offensive rebounds. They love running, but so do the Wolves. So I think this uh, kind of plays right into their hands. I, I do like Memphis in this series. Yeah, Memphis, you know, the favorites in this, Trey, of course. I mean, they were one of the best teams in the regular season, with or without John Morant. They're all NBA guy. 
Um, but what needs to go right for the Wolves to like pull off the upset or even stretch this to uh, you know potential seven game? Let's say even. What do you think? Uh, I think the key for the Wolves has to be forcing turnovers because I'm with Tass. Uh, one of the big questions of the playoffs for me is what the Grizzlies' offense is going to look like in the half court. And if it's just going to be the Josh and you're, they're just going to have to rely on him getting to the bucket every single time. But if the Wolves are able to force turnovers, that really gooses their offense because they're not a super strong defensive team, but they get a ton of steals, which then gives them the chance to get out in transition and get a lot of easy buckets. Uh, and that then allows them to keep a Jared Vanderbilt uh, on the court or a McDaniels on the court. Those are kind of the strengths of both of those two players and certainly the offensive strengths running in transition. So I think that, uh, that that's a that's a key area to, to be watching here because the Grizzlies actually do a pretty good job of taking care of the ball. They're top five in lowest turnover rate. So, you know, just like Tass is saying, both teams like to run here. Whoever controls the pace is really going to be in charge because I think the offensive rebounding is going to be an issue for the Timberwolves. Steven Adams, to me, is a little bit of an X factor here because mm. Carl Anthony Towns is pretty solid on the offensive glass. Uh, you know, he gets a lot of second chance points, but Steven Adams is a great defensive rebounder. Uh, so you need Steven Adams on that side of the court. And then the Timberwolves are pretty weak on the defensive glass. So Steven Adams could certainly punish uh, the Timberwolves there as well. Uh, I don't know. I don't know exactly what to expect in this series. It feels like it's going to be close because both teams, you know, they have had minor playoff experience in the past, but this really feels like their first experience where both teams have to have uh, confidence that they can win the series because I think it should go along with both of these teams being a little bit unsettled here. I think ultimately, though, it comes down to John Morant is going to be pretty solid uh, when it comes down to it, and I think that he will get the best of Patrick Beverly over the course of the series. It's uh, Grizzlies in six probably to me, but I can mm. see the Timberwolves being a lot better because Towns has had a lot of success uh, against the Grizzlies this season. And, you know, after the way the play-in tournament went for him, you have to imagine he's going to bounce back. Yeah, a lot of people excitedly about the Beverly on John Morant matchup, maybe the Dylan Brooks on like mm. an Anthony Edwards type of matchup there, or the CC minutes on Russell, who, again, like I said, had a really good regular season uh, series against the Grizzlies. He scored a ton and we saw what he just did in the, in the play-in game. Uh, Trey went with Steven Adams. Is there another player in this series from either side that you see as like, wow, that, that guy could, you know, not a star guy, but an X factor here, a role player that could swing this. Well, Desmond Bain is their pretty good three-point shooter. So, and he's had a fantastic season. I mean, he's in contention for most improved, but Jar's going to win it. His own teammate there. Jaron Jackson's he, in contention. Is, is John Moran going to win it? <laughs> uh, but uh, that's the thing. I mean, you, again, you expect the uh, so much attention is going to go on Jar Morant, and that ball is going to move around. Desmond Bain, he's been shooting the three-pointer really, really well, over 40% this season. So I think he's going to get a ton of shots. Uh, and again, the Grizzlies have shown that even if Jar, let's say, he gets in foul trouble or whatever and he's off the court, they they don't really miss a beat. They know how to play without him. So I think that's a really strong thing here for the Memphis Grizzlies. Is it's They're not so heavily reliant on Jar being out there all the time. They can cope in some minutes when he's not on the court or if he's just being pestered to death by Patrick Beverly out there. Also excited to see how Jaron Jackson Jr. stands up because he's been uh, fantastic for them on the defensive end and his offensive game has improved as well. The numbers haven't improved all that much, but his impact has. So uh, this is this is really interesting to me. As I said earlier, like the Grizzlies last season were eighth. Remember, they, they won game one against the Jazz and it was like, oh, this is great experience. Well, let's see if that experience has, has, is already going to have a factor this season because you know, they are the number two seed. So they should be the favorite. They've got home court, no health concerns. Dylan Brooks is back. It's going to be uh, great to see how they handle now the pressure of expectation. Yeah, I think what's fascinating too, Tass, was like 
the play in tournament being fairly new here, like what, this is our third season uh, of this, Mm. you know, sort of format. Let's call it that. Uh, I know it's changed a little bit, tweaked a little bit, but will there be the, like, uh, you know, the, the rust factor here where the Grizzlies have had a long time off and the Wolves just played not too long ago. So they had a game here in between. They had the already high stakes, the game seven, like feel, can they carry that into game one? Will it matter at all? Because we just don't really have like a, a long history of this play in tournament to know if these teams that sort of sneak their way in in the play-in, like the Grizzlies last year, like Lee said, can steal that game one because they're just like a little bit more in the flow where that other team uh, can be, you know, yeah, you get healthy. That's a positive. You get rested. That's a positive. But for that game one, can you turn it up and, and get right into that playoff sort of uh, vibe right away? We'll see. Uh, I don't know if you have a thought on that. Maybe could the, could the Wolves steal game one? I guess what I'm getting at. I don't think so. I don't think it's going to be a factor. I guess the Grizzlies had five days off or whatever. But I think uh, the good thing about John Morant is that he's not a guy who's going to try and take over in the first quarter. He's going to get everybody involved and everyone's going to get in their flow. And that's why they were such a successful team when he was out. So it's, it is a real team. It's not just a superstar and everybody else. So I think, you know, that'll shake off the rust pretty quickly. Number one, Um, number two, I I, I like the fact that, yeah, the wolves, if they looked at the top of the bracket and they see yeah the Suns or the warriors, even the jazz, even the Mavs, uh, they would say, we'd rather have the Grizzlies because they lack playoff experience. But at the same time, the Grizzlies should be looking down and say, Hey, (laughs) we were there last year. This Wolves team wasn't, uh, so th- I think if they look at the bottom of the bracket, I'm sure they're excited to see uh, the Wolves come into their house. So they should feel really, really confident. They have a deeper team uh, than the, the Minnesota Timberwolves. Uh, they've been ridiculously solid. I, I mean, I, I think, uh, you know, we just expect Jaw to go off and, and to be able to sort of fly po- fly by Patrick Beverly. But I think uh, Anthony Edwards, when he locks in, he is such a huge, huge guy, at, you know, at 6'6 and long. And when he play, wants to play defense – He's going to do a decent job against Ja Morant. But again, I think uh, it goes back to how Ja is a superstar in this league, how he conducts himself. And that is getting everybody involved. And I think they're going to they're, they are going to play like a team like they did all season long. So I, I think that hurts the Wolves. I, I think the Grizzlies will get a lot out of their deep, deep roster. Trey, do you also think Carl Anthony Towns is going to bounce back from that? you know, abysmal play in game where he got flustered and got all the fouls and fouled out and did nothing and was rushing shots. Even when he was finally getting looks after, you know, getting a little space from Batum, you think this matchup works better for him here because the Grizzlies probably won't be playing a very, you know, small mobile four on him. Yeah. I think that Towns is going to certainly have a better series than he did uh, in the play in game against the Grizzlies this season. He was at 23 points per game, nine rebounds per game, shot 52 from the floor, 38 from three, I think it's just the fact of the matter that the Grizzlies are going to play two traditional big guys. You know, Brandon Clark and Jaron Jackson Jr. are pretty athletic, but they're still sizable guys more so than Batum to the fact to the point where the Clippers were going to do whatever they can, double teaming and trapping towns to make it tough on them. It'll probably be a little bit more straight up uh, with the Grizzlies defense, whether that be Adams, Towns or Clark, any of those guys are big guys, so they'll probably be one-on-one with help, that sort of thing, which I think certainly uh, certainly helps out Towns, and it will probably let the Timberwolves space the Grizzlies out a little bit. So I'm expecting him to have a better series, and, you know, it's just one game. That's the other thing, too. Maybe over the course of a seven-game series with the Clippers, Towns figures it out and is able to put up some numbers or something like that. But I wouldn't be surprised if the Timberwolves take game one, Did a little quick basketball reference sicko mode here. Obviously, the Grizzlies took game one off the Jazz last year. Apparently, the Trailblazers 
did the same to the Lakers back in the bubble season as well after they had a nice run in the play-in tournament. So maybe game one is a good chance to steal one just because you've played a game. You know, you've had the high-stakes affair already, especially considering the way the season ended for the Timberwolves. Like, they were kind of locked into seven for a while, so... You know, they were playing games that mattered, and then they finally got to one that really, really mattered, showed up in the fourth quarter. So, I don't know. I think I expect game one to be pretty tight, and it wouldn't be a surprise if the Timberwolves pull it off. Another X factor for me, too, for the Wolves to pull off the upset, which I think is unlikely because the Grizzlies are that good and they're that deep, and they have John Morant, and he should be back to his explosive best. But Malik Beasley, uh, I remember you brought him up, Lee. Didn't mm. have, like, a crazy play-in game. From, you know, really sort of got overshadowed. Of, he didn't do a lot. I mean, it was the D'Angelo Russell, Anthony Edwards show uh, for the Wolves there in that game to get in the seventh seed. But he has, like, been on fire uh, for, for a, since February. Early February, the guy's shooting something like 45% from deep on a lot of attempts uh, from three. So, you know, over a last thir- that's a 30 game sample or something like that you know he can uh, drop six, seven, eight threes in a game. And that would be huge for the Wolves uh, to pull off a, a couple of these victories. So keep an eye on Beasley. Maybe that'll be one of the guys I'll be watching when we get to role players this weekend. But final predictions here as we wrap up this one. Let's hear from everybody in the stream team as well. Um, Tass, who, what, what do you got in this one? You, it, looks, it sounds like you're leaning towards Grizzlies. How many games? I like the Grizz. I think they'll be confident. I think that playoff experience from last year will help them. I think they'll they'll take it in six. I mean, a lot of this, we, we mentioned a, a bunch of Wolves. Uh, I think a lot of it sort of falls on D'Angelo Russell, too. He had three big games uh, against the Memphis Grizzlies this season, 28, 29, and 36 in those three games. So uh, he... He's he's a monster uh, because it's just it's it's difficult to guard uh, both uh, backcourts on this team uh, with Morant and Bain and then Russell and Edwards. Uh, it's those those are tough covers, and so I think D'Angelo Russell will probably be, have the ability to get a lot of open shots. So a lot's going to fall on him, but uh, buying the Grizz and their depth and home court uh, should be a, a huge factor in this series. Lee, what are you going? Yeah, I'm going Grizz in six as well. I think uh, it is going to be a pretty tight series, though, and, and I sort of like Trey's prediction there. Maybe not the first game, but I think there's a split in the first two anyway. I just mm-hmm. think, uh, you know, you're going to see adjustments after game one if the Grizzlies do pull off that victory. And uh, and then going back to Minnesota, I think we're going to see the same as well. So I think it is going to be a pretty exciting series, and, uh, you know, I don't think either team is going to truly dominate. I think it's just going to be sort of one in the margins. But uh, Memphis having home court, a bit of a deeper team, uh, and I just think they're better coaches as well there from uh, Taylor Jenks. I think he does a great job. So I'm taking the Grizz in six. Okay, Trey? Yeah, I'm Grizzlies in six as well. These seem like kind of similar teams the way they go about playing. They both want to play fast. They both want to force a ton of turnovers, and you're not exactly sure what you're going to be getting in the half court. Uh, but the Grizzlies have better depth, and they do have home court advantage. And Ja, despite coming off an injury, it means he's a little bit rested. Uh, he'll have to deal with the rust of getting back to playing NBA basketball followed by it being playoff basketball, but I think they can overcome that. So Grizz in six. Yeah, Grizzlies in six does feel like the safe way to tackle this series, doesn't it? I think I, I, I hate to do it, but that's my uh, official pick too. Uh, I'm excited to see type of Carl Anthony Towns we see after the brutal play game. And, you know, look, John Moran is probably going to cook Patrick Beverly. You can't really stop him, but you know Beverly is going to give it a go. He's going to like – get dirty, quote-unquote dirty, see what he can get away with. The refs are going to be huge in this series. That's something we talked about when we were doing first thoughts. I mean, the type of game that they're calling, what they're allowing, how many whistles, how many free throws, 
what you know how much barking they're letting them get away with or there's is there like would you be surprised Lee if like there's like a a game changing uh, ejection in this in one of these games because of like a two tech thing got an early one because of the classic double tech and then something happens no you wouldn't so um, we'll see we'll see it's going to be a fun series and both arenas I mean you said it Tass Memphis awesome we've experienced it we went there and saw a game Minnesota were incredible there uh, on on their in their play in game and this is like a, a thirsty fan base. That is just going to be going, I think, insane for these uh, first couple of games, games three and four. So I, uh, the, the crowd experience in both barns should be awesome. So let's hear from everybody. Who you got? What do you think, Skeets? Do you celebrate a game three victory the same way you celebrate a play-in <laughs> victory? Like if the Wolves yeah. win their, their first home playoff game, is that a party? Uh, no, well, no, the party. No, I don't think you're jumping up on the tables. I don't think you're ripping your jerseys off okay. for, for a game three uh, yeah. victory. It depends. I mean, if they come back from a big deficit and Pat Bev gets the, the game ceiling play, whether it's a steal or hits a three, he's getting up on the scorer's table yeah. for sure. That jersey's coming <laughs> off. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. The confetti, do the, does confetti drop after every playoff win in some of these I places? It, I, I think it like fell in Atlanta, didn't it, the other day? Something fell, didn't it? From the I did. Yeah, yeah, there was a little bit. I saw Larry <laughs> Luke's photo. You're right. Yeah. yeah, <laughs> yeah. Good point, we'll streamers. <laughs> we'll, we'll see it. Uh, but, uh, yeah, let's hear from everybody. Uh, I got Grizzlies in six, as a lot of us do as well. Okay. The other 2-7 matchup in the Eastern Conference. Task, get us started, man. This is the one that's got everybody salivating. Boston, Brooklyn. What do you got? Yeah, a fun one, huh? Because so many people want to take the Brooklyn Nets after just watching Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. And I'm sure our No Dunks faithful are expecting me to take the Brooklyn Nets because I have been the most vocal person of all of us saying that they'd come out of the play in tournament and be a team that no one wants to play. But I like Boston against them for just like zoom out and think about the last few months of the Boston Celtics. They play four quarters and the Nets don't. And I, I think that is going to be a factor in the series. I know it's, it's simple, real simple analysis, but I think this is sort of the worst matchup for the Nets in that regard because the Celtics just don't stop. They were tied for the league lead in net rating, the amount of points they won by despite starting 25 and 25 because the last three months have been so damn good for them. They have been so, so solid. Now, I think a concern for the Boston is clutch time. You got Kyrie and you've got Kevin Durant, and the stats say that they were far better in clutch time uh, than the Boston Celtics. Totally true. Sixth versus 26th uh, to the Boston Celtics. I get that. And Boston just didn't have to play a lot of those games. They're blowing a lot of teams out. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I think the Nets' tiny backcourt is going to be a bit of a problem. You're going to want to hide one of Kyrie Irving or Seth Curry, and they're one of those guys probably going to have to guard Jalen Brown. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you can't you just can't hide both of them against the Celtics. I mean, we saw the other day uh, the, the Cavs going at the Nets in the play in tournament. And there was a struggle for Kyrie Irving guarding Karis LeVert possession after possession in the fourth quarter. Now, this is a different animal in Jalen Brown, even even to another degree. You can hide one on Marcus Smart, but uh, Jalen Brown most likely is going to be guarded by Kyrie or Seth Curry, or even Patty Mills. So it's going to be a problem, I think. I think so that the clutch part kind of evens out there. And uh, listen, the Nets have some continuity problems that will be highlighted against a really good Celtics team that wasn't highlighted in the play-in tournament. They've got holes, while the Celtics team just doesn't have any. You know, the, the Nets are 
playing uh, Kessler Edwards. He's probably going to have to guard Jason Tatum. He he's a rook and just <laughs> doesn't look all that comfortable at this point uh, so far in the in the postseason. I mean, they would love to have Ben Simmons out there to well, guard well, well. for ten minutes. Yeah, Shams Sharania is reporting that he could be back between games four and game six. But I, uh, as much as I believe Ben Simmons was coming back. I don't know how you can prognosticate that, predict that like so far in advance, think that he's going to come back when he's not doing anything. He's still playing one on O and Robert Williams, this the Boston Celtic Boston center that they lost uh, who, who helps out. They've got depth behind him and Tyson Horford, but he's even doing more than Ben Simmons is doing. He's further along in his recovery. Uh, the the wording is always hilarious uh, that Ben Simmons is is doing you know one on zero work while Robert Williams is doing light basketball work. At least he's bumping guys <laughs> to some degree. He's playing one on one versus Ben Simmons one on zero. So I, I think when we're talking injuries and we're talking depth, Celtics are closer to having a Robert Williams back, and this the Nets could desperately use. Ben Simmons defense on the perimeter uh, to help out Kyrie or Seth and just sit one of those or not Kyrie, but to sit Seth Curry down and just to be a body out there. Uh, but if he's playing one on zero now, I don't, I don't know how you throw him in, in games four or five or six. I mean, when the series could be virtually on the line. So I, I like the Celtics, uh, the fact that they've been playing so well, I'm not so concerned about the the Robert Williams injury when you've got, uh, Al Horford's experience back there in Daniel Tice. I mean, it doesn't get much more solid than that. Not as spectacular as Robert Williams, but pretty damn solid. So I, I'm buying the team that's been playing better for longer, even though I'm sure many of our No Ducks faithful think that uh, I would be taking the Brooklyn Nets. I think it's just a bad matchup uh, uh, for the Nets that uh, they across the board, the Celtics feel good and give some Nets uh, give the Nets some bad matchups. What does playing one on zero mean? I've never heard anybody say that. <laughs> just like you're just shooting around. Shooting around. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Never that's said, exactly it. Like Lee's never said to us, yeah, I went down to the, the court the other day just to play a little one on zero. <laughs> I mean, that's no, the thing. You shot if, around. Yeah. if that's what NBA players are doing, then I'm on an equal with NBA players. Yeah. I'm shooting around by myself yeah. almost every day. So well, I know e, how it feels. E. Gian Leon played one on chair. chair you remember yes. back in the yeah. day, his, his draft chair shut him down too, I remember. Yeah. So uh, you get more respect playing against literally nobody than playing against a piece of furniture. One on zero is much more impressive than one on chair. <laughs> so yeah, we'll see if he returns. Like, okay, let's say Lee he even does come back. Ben Simmons is back. Games four or five in this series, and it's two-two, or you know, it's three-one, whatever it is. We haven't seen him play basketball in almost a year. The last time he played was June 20th in a Sixers yeah. uniform, of course, in the game seven loss to the Hawks. So like who knows what he can even give? And then you not let's say you're like, okay, of course you can get him out there to play defense on a Jalen or a, or a Jason. That's that's great. He probably can still do that. He's probably pretty elite at that. But he does have to play on the other end. And would the Celtics go to hack a Ben? Would they like just try and rattle him? You know the crowd would be all over him in Boston. It's like that part's fascinating. Like just how Udoka and the Celtics would approach to playing him and forcing him into action offensively and. And, of course, dare him to shoot, but then even put him at the line. I think that's a real possibility. If I'm Emei Odoka, I'm saying come back, Ben, as quick as you want for exactly that reason. I would say let's whoever he's defending, let him have as much space as he wants because you know 
even if you open the lane for him, if someone comes over, he doesn't want to get fouled and go to the free throw line. He doesn't want to have to deal with that in the playoffs. He's obviously not going to shoot. And if the ball's in his hands, then it's not in Kyrie's hands and it's not in Kevin Durant's hands. Until we've seen him play, I think you absolutely say, Ben, you can do whatever you want out there. Yeah. I mean, that that's the thing here for the Brooklyn Nets. Their ceiling with Kyrie and Kevin Durant is huge. Both of those guys, as we saw the other night, can be incredible offensive players. But after that, they need someone else like a Seth Curry. I think Seth Curry's been good for them, but he's he's kind of uh, dealing with an ankle injury here himself. He did so, nothing in that game. Exactly. The yeah, and he's not true. Them. He stepped out of bounds a lot of times. <laughs> <laughs> true. Um, and then other than that, you know, it was Bruce Brown who had a good game, and then it's Andre Drummond trying yeah. to feast inside, but he doesn't obviously shoot or spread the floor. So they need somebody else to provide the offense, and that's the thing. What do they do? The Nets. It's a little bit like the Joel Embiid Philadelphia 76ers. when Kevin Durant's on the off on the bench. How do they sort of cope in those minutes? We know Kyrie can get red hot, but he's also had some pretty bad shooting games in the games that he played during the regular season. So that's an interesting uh, factor here for, for the Nets. And also defensively, I was very impressed with what they did against Cleveland, the effort, you know, blocking shots. Kevin Durant was all over the place. That's one game. You've got to do this now against a much better offensive team in the Boston Celtics and likely for entire games for four, five, however long this series goes. So I think that's another concern here for the Brooklyn Nets. Sure, Ben Simmons can theoretically help, but a guy hasn't played. I mean, you're going to say you go out there and defend Jason Tatum straight up without playing. You're playing one on none, then you're playing defense on Jason Tatum. So I, I don't think Ben Simmons, it would be wise for the Nets to bring him back. I really don't think he can help in a positive way for this team. I think he can only be a detriment because he's got no reps with these guys. And I think that's huge. So I, I really like this for the Boston Celtics. I believe Kevin Durant is the best player in the series. And usually that tilts it towards that team, but not in this case for me, because Boston's at home. They're just way deeper. I think they're playing so much better in the last, you know, sort of two or three months here. Ime Doka has done a fantastic job there with them. And I think as well as Kyrie was brilliant against the Cavs the other night, well, the Celtics can throw smart Derek White, uh, Jalen Brown on him if they want. And Kyrie's got the ability to get his shot off. We know that. But it's just so much different when it's like, oh, my God, I had smart for the last five possessions. Now I've got long arms Derek White in my face as well. So it's that he's going to have to work so much harder to get his buckets. He can do it, but it's just not going to be easy. What do you think, Trey? What are your keys to this series, which should be very entertaining? Well, I like that you mentioned the Sixers-Raptors series, Lee, because it does feel very similar to that series to me. Boston obviously has a lot more depth. They've got a nine-man rotation of everybody that's playing pretty solid, you know, outside of Robert Williams uh, missing however much time he ends up missing. But the Nets have Kevin Durant, and when Kevin Durant's on the court, I assume that the Nets are probably going to win those minutes. Can the can the Celtics beat the Nets in the course of eight minutes or even fewer, like Kevin Durant loves to play a ton of minutes. He'll play 40 minutes, oh, no yeah. problem. He was going 53 in that overtime loss against the Bucks uh, last season. No problem for Kevin Durant, really. So that's, uh, that's a huge question to me, but I do think the Robert Williams injury is massive here. A huge part of the reason the Celtics were able to be the best defense in the league this year is because they figured out how to play with Horford and Williams both out there, with Williams being a big-time help guy and a great switch guy. Like, Horford and Tice are solid, but if you're Kevin Durant, you're licking your chops if it's Daniel Tice out there. And I actually think that Kyrie Irving can probably hide on Daniel Tice. Like, let him be the guy that shoots shots because he ain't Robert Williams as a passer or a finisher. So I think that that could be a place where you're seeing some guards hide as well. The Celtics love to switch 
which forces the Nets into a ton of ISO situations. And they've got maybe the two best isolation players in the league right now. Yeah. Certainly Kevin Durant, maybe Kyrie Irving, though sometimes with Kyrie, it's a little bit inefficient. can take him 30 shots to get 30 points. But I think it's going to be just as tough for the Celtics to stop the Nets as it is going to be the other way around. So I think this one is really a coin flip here. It probably comes down to who's better in fourth quarters, Kevin Durant or Jason Tatum. I'm going to go with Durant here. Nets in seven. But, I mean, this one should be tight. Yeah, I saw Schumann again, who does a great job breaking these down for NBA.com. You were talking about the clutch stats tasks, and Schumann was doing the deep dive on that. You know, Nets obviously uh, pretty decent, especially helps when you have Durant playing and Kyrie. And the Celtics, they just had all these games that they won by 20 points or more, 18 wins by 20 points or more. But in those five-point games, five minutes to go, 13 and 22 overall. Uh, only the Pacers were worse, according to Shu. And Tatum shot two for 25 on clutch three-pointers. Marcus Smart was really bad on clutch twos. Uh, so, yeah, if it's a tight game, I, and, and KD's playing, and hell, and of course with Kyrie too, like both of those guys, you're gonna, I'm going to take KD over Tatum every time, right now still. Now Tatum, might this might be the series, Trey, where he's like, you know, he's going to be probably a top five MVP. He's been amazing, incredible. Uh, even if some of those like clutch three pointers say otherwise, but this could be the series where he's like, no, I'm I'm just there, you know, I'm 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 step in step with like a guy like KD, which would be which is possible and would be incredible to watch. But I'm with Trey that I'm leading long series, close series, uh, and the the Ben Simmons factor is fascinating. That's a whole other wrinkle along with the uh, Time Lord, but I'm going Nets in seven uh, with Trey. Um, so it sounds like we're split on this one. Two Beantown boys and two, two Brooklyn boys doesn't have the same uh, <laughs> ring to it. Is Peace that right? Boys. So, so is that right, Lee? Lee, where are you going? Celtics and yeah, how many? I, I'm going to tell. I actually think it's going to be done in five. I, I, I've been Hello. really impressed with the way Boston has, and and obviously Kevin Durant is so good, but I am a little concerned that he's just going to play heavy, heavy minutes. And he's been injured this season. And I think the part of that was because he was playing heavy minutes. And so he's if the balls if the game's close at the end of the, uh, late. Obviously, I, I sort of tilt towards Kevin Durant there, but I just think Boston's got too much depth, and I sort of think they're going to get away from uh, Brooklyn pretty early in these ones. So I, I'm going, uh, you know, pretty much opposite of you guys. I'm going Boston in five games here. I think they're going to do it pretty easily. Okay, and Tass, uh, where, where are you going? Bean Town, and how many? Yeah, I like Boston at seven. I think the Nets are, are good enough to ride their big guys and, and Durant and Kyrie for lots of minutes and get a couple wins in this series. But, you know, when it does come down to the fourth quarter, yeah, of course you side with uh, the best one-on-one scorer in the world in Kevin Durant. But I, I think the Celtics showed a, a good enough uh, example of the, the last few months that they're just going to find the hole in the offense or the defense. And I think the fact that the Nets haven't, really had enough reps together as as a unit as as a, a, a you know when it comes to the playoffs just be, to be on a string and I think the Celtics will find the hole I don't think Tatum is selfish enough to just say hey it's my time uh, you know if if the if they can find Kyrie if they can find uh, a smaller guard on Jalen Brown they're going to take advantage of that I think they'll do that and you know, when it comes down to the fourth quarters the Kevin, there is literally no one else who can guard Jason Tatum on the Nets roster than Kevin Durant. They've just got huge holes. You can throw a tiny Bruce Brown on him, sure. You can throw uh, Kels- Kessler Edwards out there, sure. I think that you might have a dusting of a Blake Griffin or something because they're just such a tiny team uh, without Ben Simmons out there. And that's why I, I think the Nets would try to throw Ben Simmons out there because Kevin Durant literally has to guard Tatum 
uh, almost every second he's out there. And at least the Celtics have some options to throw at Durant, even though, you know, Kevin Durant is Kevin Durant. So the Celtics depth uh, and their camaraderie, their chemistry, I think is going to uh, show in this net series because the Nets have just, they've just got it together the last couple weeks even. And, and I don't think they're that confident in their rotations right now. And, uh, uh, they shouldn't be, uh, especially with uh, their their bigs coming off the bench. Nick Claxton, I guess, will be big in, in this series, but I don't know. I'm buying the Celtics' depth. Uh, two more predictions I'll throw out there for this Celtics-Nets series. One, Jalen Brown is going to have monster, monster games, I think. Uh, you were alluding to this, task early just because of matchup problems. I think he could have – he might even have like a better overall numbers-wise series, scoring-wise series than Tatum. I uh, would not be shocked by that at all. So that's one. Second one, Trey, you'll like this because you got the Nets in seven. Isn't this just going to set up for a game seven where Ben Simmons has returned in this series? <laughs> game five, six, whatever. There's three, there's four minutes left to go in a tight game seven. And there's an opportunity for Ben. He gets the ball in a similar position like he did against the Hawks. And instead of passing it, instead of being a little afraid to go to the line or score, he dunks it. It's just going to be there. I'm telling you, it's almost like a year to the, not a year to the day, but pretty damn close. Uh, So he'll have a big moment, a big, Ben Simmons will score late in the game seven. Oh, he's, he's fixed. He's good. He's Uh, big Ben, a big Ben moment. The new big Ben, he's walking around like he's Jordan out there, Skeet. So, you know, he'll come up in the clutch. Uh, My prediction is that we don't see Ben Simmons. You don't think he plays? (laughs) No, I think this is uh, fake news. Mm, Interesting. Yeah, I think this is a, don't forget about me kind of news. We'll see. No, I think he's going to wait till the finals to play. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, I think he's going to back in the most high leverage moments. I know. It's just like, just the further it goes along, how, how, how is it going to happen? Conference if he, finals if he came back, Philadelphia. Yeah. I mean, if he came back now, if he was a bench guy now, uh, but uh, game four to game six, I mean, that's what? I, that, I that's actually very confused. I buy this. Six. I buy this. I think Ben Simmons is going to return in this series. Uh, so I'll go on record saying uh, I think Shams has got this one right. Whoever he's talking to there, that's weird. I'm not, and I'm not, and it could blow up in their face, like you were saying, Lee. Uh, and Yodoka and the Celtics should be all over him, mm-hmm. and they, and they, I, I believe they will, and like really rattle him, and again do the hack of Ben, whatever you got to do. But uh, I think we're going to see Ben Simmons in this series, <laughs> and it's going to make a series which was already entertaining on paper, like just go to the next level. This is going to be the one that everybody's like going to be talking about, like the most, I think from night to night here Mm -hmm. in the first round of the playoffs. It just sort of feels that way just because of like the star power. Uh, People still believe the Nets could win the championship. Celtics could very easily win this series though and knock them out. Man, so much here. All right. Let's hear from the stream team. Let's hear your predictions. Nets, Celtics. Let's take a break. When we come back, we're going to set up tonight's playing games and do like a big picture look at the playoffs. Don't go anywhere. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. 
You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Whoa! Mac is back! You ever wish you could have it both ways? I do. Like a zero-calorie cheeseburger or staying up late but not feeling exhausted in the morning? Guys tend to think looking sharp means starchy Oxfords and stiff chinos rather than effortless comfort. But you can have it both ways with Mack Weldon. Mack Weldon makes timeless apparel with modern performance fabrics for guys who want to look and feel sharp without sacrificing comfort. From their light-as-air underwear to innovative anti-odor tees and versatile yet comfortable pants, Mack Weldon has a full range of clothes that never go out of style. I've got some polos, some tees, some undies, and I love them. Simple, soft, stylish. In fact, I'm wearing Mack Weldon right now. Mack Weldon clothes are designed to fit your style and the demands of modern life. They look like regular clothes, but feel like the latest in modern comfort. If you told me my silver PK polo was made from 100% cotton, I would 100% believe you. But those antimicrobial silver threads keep me feeling fresher longer. Get timeless looks with modern comfort from Mack Weldon. Go to MacWeldon.com and get 20% off your first order with promo code NODUNKS. That's M-A-C-K-W-E-L-D-O-N.com, promo code NODUNKS. All right, back with NODUNKS here, Friday drop. We got two games on tonight. Tasks, the play-in games, Hawks, Cavs, 7.30 p.m. Eastern on ESPN. Winner faces the Heat in round one. Loser goes fishing. And then the second game tonight, Pelicans in L.A. to take on the Clippers, 10 p.m. start on TNT. <laughs> we got the ESPN and the TNT game tonight. Uh, winner faces the Suns on Sunday in game one of that first round series. So my question, Tess, we've already talked a little bit about these games uh, uh, over the week, but which road team you think is more likely to win and become the eighth seed tonight? Is it is it the Hawks or is it the Pelicans? What do you think? Well, the Hawks are a favorite on the road in Cleveland, but I'm not buying that. I, I think... Both home teams win tonight. I, I do think that Cleveland uh, getting a little disrespected right now because Jared Allen has been out for so long and maybe because they're just not on people's radar like Trey Young is. Uh, so people are, are putting their money on the Atlanta Hawks. But Jared Allen's supposed to be back tonight. He is supposed to give it uh, a go at the starting center spot, and and that is huge. It just kind of puts everybody in their appropriate spots where they have to do less. You had Rook Evan Mobley featured on the first possession of a play-in game. They gave it to him in the post, uh, and that just won't happen with everybody in their proper spots. You know, Larry Marketing, Isaac Okoro asked to do less. Karis LeVert, come off the bench where uh, you are perfect. So I, I think that will help. I think the fact that they just got uh, blasted 40-20 to 20 in that first quarter against the Brooklyn Nets in the playing game uh, was important. I think they, they won't let that happen again. It's mm. fresh. And the Hawks, they got it going against the Charlotte Hornets in their playing game because – the Hornets just allowed them so much space and got allowed them to get into their flow. They didn't look good in the first quarter or the second quarter. They looked good in the third quarter because the Hornets were really bad defensively. So I think the Cavs absolutely stepped that up. And, and I think there's just good matchups across the board. Like Danilo Gallinari is going to have to go against 
a seven footer, whether it's Lowry Markinen uh, or Evan Mobley, and Gallinari's not going by anybody. I think he'll be slowed down. I think he is the one of the guys, along with Herter and Trey Young, that are ready for this moment, that are ready to play for the Hawks. But I think he's not going to play as well. Uh, but uh, I think there's a bunch of matchups across the board, including Isaac Okoro. I think will be asked to do less offensively if Jared Allen is in there. Uh, and he should probably start on Trey Young. I, I think J.B. Bickerstaff would be making a mistake by waiting sort of Doc Rivers style like last year with, with uh, when the Sixers played uh, the Hawks. If he waits, you know, till the second half even uh, to put a better defender on Trey Young, uh, I think that will hurt. And if you put Isaac Okoro, a great defender, their junkyard dog on Trey Young, I think you can – you know, stay home on everybody else. They won't double uh, like the Charlotte Hornets did. But uh, I, I also like the Clippers thinking about it a little bit. I think the Clippers against the Pels, sort of a, a similar thing where the, the, the Clippers had some fourth quarter mistakes against the Wolves. Bad defense. Anthony Edwards had a breakaway dunk. I don't think that happens again. I think two weeks ago, these two teams played. So there's a template for the Clippers. They'll probably do to Jonas Valanciunas what they did to Carl Anthony Towns because they did that a couple of weeks ago. Uh, they, they'll have a small switchy uh, defense. I think their defense will be prepared after being poopy against the Timberwolves late. So I like both home teams. Who the heck knows, though? I think both road teams could easily win these games. Right. Yeah. Okay. Task picking against the birds. What about you? <laughs> yeah, a lot of people in the stream team saying W's for the birds tonight, mm. the Hawks and the Pelicans. Mm. But of the two, which one do you think is more likely? Well, I, I do think it is Atlanta, and maybe there's a little bit of home court bias here because we were down there, but that offense was looking pretty good against a, a nothing defense there from the Hornets. So I think, though, if the, if the uh, Hawks can get out there and get contributions from the guys they got the other night, because Gallinari was good, Hunter was good, Kevin Huerta got him going, because Trey Young didn't have a great game, and he picked it up certainly in the second half, but I think that was really what was important here for Atlanta, is they got other contributions from guys, and, and if they can get that again tonight, that's where they're going to win this game. I don't think it's going to be a defensive arm wrestle. I think it's going to be a bit of a uh, sort of up and down, you know, run and gun type of game, and I think that does suit Atlanta. I think they can, they have an advantage in that spot. So I like them. They got to feel confident. Tass mentioned their favorite, uh, you know, the Pelicans, for example, are four point underdogs in uh, Los Angeles, which is a bit of a surprise, to be honest with me. I thought there'd be a little bit of a tighter line there, but I, <laughs> excuse me, I think the uh, Cavs are just a bit more vulnerable, mainly because I expect a much better performance from the Clippers, especially down the stretch. Remember, they led by 10 points, nine minutes to go in that game. Mm-hmm. And I think Ty Lue, when Carl Anthony Towns fed out, Maybe they just took their foot off the gas and they just thought, oh, we've got this game, you know, and, and, and they, they, they made a mistake really and the Wolves pounced on it. And now it is win or go home. So I think the Clippers are going to be a little bit tougher uh, at home in front of their fans knowing their season's on the line. Having said that, I was super impressed with the Pelicans. I love the way that CJ led that team, especially in the second quarter in the first half. I thought Ingram was brilliant. And Valanciunas, if he can be huge and if he can dominate Zubats, I think that does help the Pels. And then they've got Defensive Player of the Year, Herb Jones, Jose Alvarado. You know, he's going to do something out there. He's going to find his way into this game. So I think it could be a, a double road sweep. Uh, you know, that wouldn't surprise <laughs> me. I think, um, you know, both road teams have got to feel pretty good. Trey, where are you going? Birds of a feather flock together, Lee. Maybe that's why both of the bird teams could pull off the road upsets. I'm kind of a half bird man at this point. I do think the Hawks can get to a higher level uh, with their team currently than the Cavs can, but the Cavs are getting the emotional boost of having a home court game here. They're also getting Jared Allen back, and Tass is right that the defensive upgrade from the Hornets to the Cavaliers, that's going to be a little bit of a wake-up call uh, for, for the Atlanta Hawks, but they seem to tap into a little bit of 
playoff intensity for this uh, for that game against the Hornets. They came in and just blew them out in the four, in the third quarter, making the right play and just making the right play over and over again, getting good performances from basically all of their role players. I do think that they're going to still need to get good performances from their role players. If the Cavs make it just a Trey Young show, then I think that's obviously worse for the Cavs because Gallinari points, Herter points, Bogdanovich points. If these guys are hitting threes, they're a really tough team to mm-hmm. beat. As for the Clippers, I just think the Clippers are actually a pretty solid team. They just blew it in the fourth quarter, which is something that we've seen happen before. But uh, I think they'll have the requisite intensity to get into the into the actual playoffs here. They just need a good game from Paul George. He had a really good quarter uh, in their first play-in game against uh, the Timberwolves. I think he had 17 in a quarter, and then he had 17 in the other three quarters, which is fine, but the shooting percentages weren't great. I think he'll be able to have a little bit better game Um uh, against the uh, the Pelicans here. So I think the Hawks are more likely to pull the upset. I'm going to pick the Hawks, and then I'm also going to pick the Clippers as well. I'm Team Bird tonight on a Friday Bird night. Man. I think both are going to win, both road teams, actually. I'm back in Atlanta in Cleveland, and uh, I like the Pelicans uh, against the Clippers. You guys all made great points again against uh, for LA, excuse me, but I just love McCollum and Brandon Ingram shot making right now. Uh, Valanchunas is going to do work inside again. Like they're going to, yeah, they're going to try and front and throw doubles at him. But uh, that's a big burly man, uh, and I think he can handle it a little bit better in the sense than as we saw, sort of cat get very flustered. I don't think that's going to happen with JV. So yeah, I'll take uh, I'll take both team both road teams to uh, to get in there. And a part of that I think is maybe I. I guess I'd prefer to see those teams in their in their matchups against the uh, number one seeds in both conferences. Not that they're going to win. Uh, I don't. I wouldn't pick any of these four teams to beat either. Of course, the Heat or the Suns. But I just think it might be more enjoyable to have the Hawks in there and go down to the Fortress and see a game. So to have them take on Miami, and I just think it'd be fun to see the Pels uh, g- give it a go against the Suns. I again, maybe maybe win one game at, at most. But um, I just yeah, the Clippers. Ah, they don't do a lot for me. <laughs> I just I don't find them to be all that much of an enjoyable watch. So uh, I'm Team Birds tonight, but let's hear from everybody. Okay, we knew that was coming. Yeah, apologized. You throw a mouth guard and it hits yeah. somebody, you're getting a fine. Just smash yeah. it. Just spike it on the court. I know he was he was intending to hit <laughs> hit a heckler, so respect <laughs> to that. But you better have lightning accuracy. Even yeah. Steph Curry when he chucked his mouth guard, he hit a fan. These things are like fan magnets. If it comes yeah. out of your mouth, it's hitting somebody. Yeah. Do you ever think somebody will throw a mouthpiece and it will go into somebody else's mouth? <laughs> <laughs> it would have to be. It would have to be twins. Like one Morris twin gets pissed, chucks his mouth guard, <laughs> shows over the guy's mouth. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we also had Patrick Beverly get fined uh, thirty thousand dollars for inappropriate language. Yeah, that's what the NBA said on Thursday. Uh, inappropriate statements, I guess, was their exact uh, terminology there for uh, his IG just- live. Well, uh, <laughs> egregious use of profanity in a in a media interview and social media post uh, following the game. What he said in the in the post game press conference, I don't think that's really what got him the fine here. I mean, he was just basically saying like, "I told them to take their ass home," is what yeah. he's saying about the clip. Okay, that's fine. But then, yes, he had an Instagram post. It's been deleted since, where he's calling them the weak ass <laughs> Clippers and telling them to get the f out of here and maybe. I guess going a little too far for the NBA's liking. So 30 K lighter there, Beverly's pockets. What do you think, Trey? Uh, I guess it had been a while since Patrick Beverly caught a fine. So it was about time. No, I'm, didn't I'm, he get fined like a day uh, before? That's <laughs> yeah, a long time. It's a long <laughs> time for Patrick Beverly. You have 24 to 48 hours. Uh, yeah. I don't know. Um, 
<laughs> Beverly, he's making he's making a million off this uh, play-in championship win here. You know, between the celebrating, showing up on ESPN for his uh, next day interviews, wearing yep. like a Versace robe. He's on top of the world right now. So thirty thousand dollars. It's I guess totally worth it to him. I, to I think uh, Bud Light wanted to get him his own beer can too. <laughs> Bud Light, yeah, that's, a, pun- Bud that's Light. a punishment in itself, isn't oh, it? Oh boy, here we go. Here comes the beer snob. Uh, all right, so there's that. And then this is uh, probably the most important news of the bunch. Steph Curry, according to Kendra Andrews. He's participated in the Warriors scrimmage there on Thursday, and the team is feeling optimistic he's going to be available for game one on Saturday. He's been out since March 16th with a sprained ligament in his left foot. So, uh, yeah, Trey, thoughts on Curry possibly playing in game one? What do you think? I think he's going to play. Uh, He also told Draymond on his podcast, Steph did, that he's very optimistic he's going to play. So pretty solid source as well there. I think he's going to be effective just because it's Steph Curry. If he's out there running around, uh, he has gravity. If he's a catch-and-shoot player, he obviously has gravity, and he'll still be able to shoot. Uh, But I still think the Warriors probably benefit by letting Jordan Poole be the Steph Curry a lot during game one uh, just so that they can kind of manage Curry's foot and see how it responds to playing in an actual competitive basketball game. It also gives the Warriors a chance to kind of unlock that lineup with Steph Clay, Poole, Draymond, and player to be named later. Build confidence because that's been a solid lineup uh, for the Warriors this season. They just haven't been able to run it out there uh, for a while. So I think that that's the smart move. Bring Steph Curry back. Let him be 95% of what you're expecting from Steph Curry, knowing that you've got MVP Steph waiting as soon as he's able to shake off the rust and prove that he's good to go for the rest of the playoffs. Yeah, Tass, any thoughts here on Curry being optimistic that he goes on, on in the first game here on the weekend? He's ready to roll, man. He's playing four on I think, out there watching the footage. He is actually sprinting around. He's doing more than Ben Simmons. The, the timeline was if he had had to have played even earlier this week, it, it sure looked like he could have in, mm. in terms of the timeline when he was he actually was injured. So I do think he goes. And, yeah, he number one, he always plays off the ball. Number two, now they've got Jordan Poole carrying the offense a lot, being the point guard a lot. And uh, with Draymond to lean on, yeah, Steph can play off the ball even more so. And so that's just another weapon. It's it's scary times. It, it kind of just changes the things. It changes the equation uh, for the Nuggets a little bit because it's something that they haven't seen if Steph plays even more so off the ball. So it's, uh, I'm sure the Warriors – you know, may take a little bit to get going with this new offense, but they're pumped uh, to have this sort of different iteration of their team with Jordan Poole uh, being such a, a huge part of it, along with Clay, Steph, Draymond. Uh, back to the Beverly news there, Lee. Sam P here on the stream team saying uh, Bud Light should have a Bud Lee camp. Mm. What do you think about that, Lee? Yeah, I could use it to piss into it. Uh, that'd be great. <laughs> Well, oh, that's, what the, that's what the Bud Lee can is. Your yeah. your Bud Lee. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it's I hope it's not a tall boy. I wouldn't want this Lee piss <laughs> to go dry. <laughs> I still think you drink that can before you drink a can of Bud Light. Uh, it was funny when I was uh, checking, <laughs> leaving a Uber airport. Uh, there was you know a big group of tourists in France and these American guys, and and someone said, "Hey, great news! What? They got Bud Light in the bar." I'm like. That's great news. You're in a Ruber, man. You want to drink Bud Light? You, why do you want to drink Bud Light anyway? But you're in a Ruber. Drink something else. But that was some bros, you know. That was some high fives out there, man. Yeah. Uh, 
Okay. <laughs> I wasn't expecting that, but uh, this is a pump for their, for their Bud Light. Um, okay, let's get to some questions about the, the, the weekend here. We got, we got eight games on this weekend. It's going to be crazy. Game one for every series on Saturday and Sunday. So the first question I had, Lee, and this is for everybody in the stream team, everybody listening to the podcast later, just which game one are you most excited for and why? Break it down. The Raptors Sixers series, I think, is going to be so spicy. Uh, pardon the pun. Or include, that's a good pun, isn't it, really, on Spicy P. I, I just really think this one could have re- massive reverberations around the Philadelphia 76ers franchise. They're the favorite. They're the home court. They've got Joel Embiid, the best individual player in the series. And as we've talked about this week, in games this season against the Raptors, when he's played, the minutes he's been on the court, the Sixers have won, but they haven't really been able to win the minutes without him. And I just think that is going to be huge in this series because if you're Nick Nurse, you know, they're going to throw multiple looks at him and you know Embiid's going to go for his 30, 35, whatever, but he can't really, he's just not the sort of guy I can see playing 45, 46 minutes, especially if this is a long series. He's probably going to tap out at around 38, 39 minutes, which leaves the Sixers very, very vulnerable for eight, nine possibly 10 minutes per game. And then you're relying on guys like James Harden, who hasn't really shown he's got that pep in his step so far in his time since coming over two months ago in the trade. And then you've got guys like Tobias Harris, another guy doesn't really step up in the playoffs. He has his moments here and there, but are you relying on him to get you those, uh, you know, crucial minutes while Joel Embiid sits down? Tyrese Maxey's been very, very good for them. Matisse Tybel's also an X factor in this series because if he has a positive impact in these first two games, let's say he defends Pascal Siakam and shuts him down. He can't play in Toronto. And how big of a factor could that potentially be here for Philadelphia if Matisse Tybel can't play in three out of seven games if it goes that far? They might miss him. Maybe they don't. Maybe Doc Rivers said after the last game when they lost to the Raptors, Matisse Tybel wouldn't have made any impact. So maybe yeah. he doesn't. Who knows there? But also, speaking <laughs> That's how you build Rivers, confidence. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's like, uh, no, we don't need this guy. Yeah. He sucks anyways. We don't need do our best perimeter defender. <laughs> but that's also brings me to Doc Rivers because Doc Rivers is someone who has very questionable playoff sort of closeouts, uh, you know, coaching his team. He's he's led the league in most 3-1 blown. Uh, he took a lot of heat after what they what happened to them against the Atlanta Hawks last season. So I think this one is ripe here for the Raptors. I love them. I've talked about how I think the Raptors can devour them, win in five. I you know, I probably tried to walk that back a little bit, but now I'm in and I'm going chips in the table. I say the Raptors do win this. And I think especially what could happen here, the Sixers I think are the team that's most likely to implode of, of any playoff team right now because if they drop game one, and let's say game one is a bit of a disaster, you know, a comfortable Raptors victory. You know the Sixers fans are going to be very nervous and they're going to get on their own team. And that we've already seen this season. Tobias Harris has had a little bit there with the crowd and the fans are just not going to be patient with this team. They're going to expect James Harden to step up immediately. They're going to expect everybody to contribute outside of uh, Joel Embiid, who you know mm-hmm. is going to do it. So this is a fascinating series. I picked the Raptors in five. I'm sticking with it, but uh, it could be very, very juicy, this one. Okay, so he's taking the nurse over the dock. Yes. I like that. Nurses run the hospital. Everybody knows that. Uh, Tass, what series are you most excited for and why? Raptors in five. You're insane, man. That is crazy. The, the, the Sixers are going to implode that bad. Can't wait, though. That's going to be fun. Listen, it's playoff basketball time, and I'm just ready. I'm ready for game one. Mavs Jazz, even though Luka Doncic will not be playing in game one, I'm just ready for playoff basketball. And I believe in the Mavs continuity over the Jazz 
lack of continuity. I think the Jazz just not all that mentally tough. Uh, they don't fight back if they get down big. Last time I checked, they're four and twenty-two when they go down double digits. That's the worst mark of any team wow. still playing. That's a John Schumann stat for you. And things get tougher in the playoffs. So are you going to get mentally tougher come postseason? I doubt it. I think the Mavs win the series no matter how many games Luca plays uh, when it comes down to it. they got to get him back at some point for sure. But I'm ready. One Eastern, uh, uh, Mavs, Jazz, then we got a, a Grizz, Wolves. Oh. I, I thought, you know, it's just a great start to the postseason. Uh, but looking at that one Eastern start time, you know, kind of screwing with both those teams. That's pretty freaking early. Jazz, that's 11 a.m. local time. 12 for the Dallas Mavericks. That is early. You know, at 12, I think Spencer Dinwiddie is going to have uh, a good series uh, if Luka plays or not. uh, But 12, that's early. He'll have just finished his uh, delicious breakfast sandwich from Eggs Lut, as we saw him eat once. (laughs) I mean, that's early. Forever. I love it. Forever. (laughs) I do love it. I I both want to moan at it every time, but I also smile inside every time. Uh, Okay, so Tess is pumped for the first one. I love that answer. Uh, Trey, which series... Are you really, really excited for this weekend? Oh, I'm a sicko, Skeetsy. I'm like Tass. I'm excited for all of them. Laura keeps asking me about making plans for this weekend. She'll be like, uh, you, you want to go bowling with Katie and Parker Saturday? I'm like, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it's, the, it's the playoffs. I mean, it's the playoffs. Plural. Do you, do you want to go bowl, bowling? <laughs> go for it. Throw some strikes down. So I ranked my top six right now because we don't know the last two. Yeah. Number one, Homer pick, Bucks versus Bulls. This is probably everybody's least anticipated series. <laughs> yes. If I'm being quite honest, but it's been five years, so I'm excited. So shut up. Number two, <laughs> Sixers, Raptors. Number three, Celtics, Nets. This feels like um, I saw somebody in the stream team earlier compare it to Patrick Mahomes versus Josh Allen. Wow. In the AFC game last year. <laughs> that was nice. a classic where it felt like a couple of championship contenders going head to head a little too early. So I like that one. Grizzlies, Timberwolves, I've got at the four slot. Mavs Jazz at number five, only going down because uh, of the Luka injury. And then Warriors Nuggets is my least anticipated first-round series so far, just because this kind of feels like a wait-till-next-year series or a wait-till-last-year series where it felt like the Nuggets had a chance up until Jamal Murray getting injured. Again, I think it was actually against the Warriors. We don't know exactly what the Warriors are going to look like now, so it just kind of feels like a holding series to me, but... Uh, it's it's awesome, man. First weekend of the playoffs. It's our NCAA tournament. You're watching basketball 13 hours straight. It's good stuff. Yeah, the only thing I hate about this play-in tournament, I've just realized, is we're still waiting to find out who the hell the last teams are in the actual playoffs. And it's Friday night, and the playoffs start this weekend. So it sucks for us, Tass, in the programming of our show. It's like we're not gonna, we're not going to be on record here on the podcast, at least, with our 1-8 breakdown and predictions. I mean, I'm sure we'll all jump on Twitter and share who we think is going to win and how many games, but it's like, it is, it's like right up against it, you know? And I guess that's the disadvantage of being in the play. And it's like, all right, now you got to turn around and play the best team in each conference. But it's sort of weird when you think about it. We don't, yeah, even, I thought, know, we don't even know the full playoff bracket yet. I thought they would get it done on Thursday night mm. and give us a day here, but... I guess not. Yeah, yeah. Forcing, forcing these two teams to go into their Sunday lineup because they're not going to play on back-to-backs. Yeah. Right. Uh, but I figured that, that the NBA wants to schedule their 1-8 on a Saturday, potentially. They want their schedule the way they want it, so I thought it would be done on Thursday. 
Uh, I don't know. I'm not in the scheduling department, but maybe they'll give me a call next year. I think they should. They should end it on a Thursday. Okay. Okay. Uh, What about the flip side, Skeets? Do you buy that it is a disadvantage for the first seeds to not know their playoff opponent uh, until two days before? I mean, I don't see how it couldn't be a small disadvantage to not really know who you're playing, but then it's like they're the number one seed. They're playing teams that are like – in some cases, 10 games below 500. So it's like, they're, I'm sure they're like, we don't give a damn who we're playing. Like, let's just go. But yeah, a little bit. I find that part a little strange. So Yeah, I, I agree. I think uh, in the Suns case, they don't care. Like, it doesn't no, matter no. who the Suns are going to play. But I mean, if the Heat get the Hawks, like the Hawks are a team that went to the conference finals last year, you know, and they, and they got to play against the... The Heat got to play against them. That's a solid team. Maybe it more so matters when the bottom of the conference is actually good. Yeah, yeah. It's just more work for their, like, uh, scouting departments and stuff like that and, like, game planning. They have to, like, get ready for multiple teams instead of just, like, focusing in on one. But, again, I don't think it's really truly going to matter. I think both number one seeds will win their series no matter who they're playing. But, yeah, it is weird. That's why, like, I've come around on the idea. I know Ziller's a big uh, fan of it, like, picking your opponent, like – where you finish there, you get you know you're the first seed. You get to pick who you want and stuff like that. But maybe down the line. All right, one more question here with the playoffs. Fun one for everyone. Role player to watch for this weekend. Okay, you know the stars. Yeah, they're gonna probably ball out. But like, get into the nitty gritty if you really want. TK, who's just like someone that could surprise you? A little crystal ball here. Monday morning, we could be talking about X as this like crazy performance from this role player. Who you got? I don't know if you consider these guys role players, but Tass mentioned Luka Doncic expected to miss game one against uh, the Jazz there per Sean Sarania. So I'm watching Spencer Dinwiddie and Jalen Brunson because yeah. the Mavs are okay. still going to play small. Uh, so I consider them, you know, I mean, they're probably going to be the stars for the Mavericks as long as Luka's out. But sure. uh, they're role players in a general sense. Mavs, they're going to play small ball. They're going to try and stretch out the Jazz. They're going to shoot a whole bunch of threes. But they still need somebody to get to the rim. They still need distributing the ball to the shooters. And it would be nice if somebody can kind of replace Luka's eight free throw attempts a game. The good news for the Mavs, they've played pretty well with Dinwiddie and Brunson on the court and Doncic off the court. Both of those guys can take on a little bit more responsibility. Dinwiddie has thrived in those situations. Brunson a little less so. But they're still winning those minutes pretty convincingly. But it's only been about 200 minutes total. And they're going to be going against the Jazz a really solid defensive team in the playoffs when things are slow. And both Dinwiddie and Brunson have kind of struggled in the pick and roll against Utah. So this is a little bit of a blessing for the Jazz because I think game one is absolutely massive in this series. The Jazz have to win this series or it feels like this end of the era of the Jazz is over. The Luka injury kind of evens the playing field, I think, here. But it sounds ridiculous. And only knowing for sure that Luka's going to miss one game is game one a must win for the Jazz? Oh, I kind of wow. think it Absolutely. is. I'm like, they have to get one of the first two, and they know that there's going to be no Doncic, so they've got their best opportunity right away. It's a lot of pressure Yeah, for 11 a.m. local time <laughs> on the road too, right? Like they got, They're got, they going to be thrown off, no doubt about it. It's going to be a weird start time, but they should win that game. The Jazz should. We'll see if Dunwitty, uh, Dunwitty, Dinwiddie and Brunson are able to put something together because they both have to be pretty good to, to approximate – what they do on any given night, plus what they're replacing with Luca. Okay, I like that. That's fine. Definitely, uh, you know, role players in this sense. I'm just like, I just want to avoid like the superstars and the all NBA mm. guys. So, Tass, who do you have? Who's somebody uh, that might uh, surprise us all this weekend? 
I'm going uh, slightly deep. I'm going to the uh, Bucks Bulls series, and I'm going with my Wesley Matthews. You guys are taking oh, turns boy. being homers. Uh, Trey excited for the Bulls, obviously. Lee picking the Hawks and their 16 and 25 road record because he wants to go see a game. I get it. Well, right. I'm cheering for Wesley Matthews because uh, he's become their starter in Milwaukee as their starting shooting guard and uh, steal the show as a role player. Ah, that's a little bit strong. I doubt Wesley Matthews is going to steal the show. But, uh, you know, if they go on to the NBA Finals, if they go on to win this thing, he's going to be like their Deshaun Stevenson that won a title with the Mavs in 2011. He's going to be there playing 24 minutes a game. Of all the teams that are left in the postseason, the Bulls have the worst opponent three-point percentage, and that's what Wesley's going to line up. And, you know, he missed the Bucks championship last season, although he was a buck the previous season. So I'm in his corner. He could get hot. He could have a 15-point night. He could have a 17-point night. Yeah. He could have a 19-point night. But he, he also shares those minutes with <laughs> – he's not going for a 20. He's not going for a 20. Let's pull it down. Yeah. an odd number too, yeah. Yeah, it would be. Yeah, the yeah. 17 or 19. He'd have to do a hit a two or go to the line. Good math there. But um, he also shares time with Grayson Allen. Pat Connett's in his back. So – this is this is his time to shine, though, uh, against a, a team that uh, against the Bulls that just allows three pointers. He can do it. He can do okay. it. And uh, since uh, since I've I've you know played some of the hits with my eggs lut comment from Spencer Dinwiddie, let me show this old photo of myself uh-huh. and Wesley Matthews, two young kids, uh, my my boy Wes. As we uh, met in an airport and uh, chatted for a bit, <laughs> look at those headphones he's got That's on. Not That's not Pat Mills. That's screen. Max Struess. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, Wesley Matthews, role player to watch for in the Bucks Bulls game one this weekend. What about you, Lee? Well, while we're sticking with homers, why not go with Patty Mills there in Brooklyn? Because uh, honestly, they are going to need someone Brooklyn to sort of uh, help out a bit. And and you know, we know Kyrie and Kevin Durant are going to take the bulk of the heavy lifting on the offensive end. But Patty Mills is a good playoff performer, and he also stepped up for Australia at the Olympics last year. Had forty-two points in the bronze medal game. So you know, Patty knows how to deliver, but also because Seth Curry, you know, I think Seth Curry is obviously a better player, but his injury history uh, is a bit of a concern there. And Paddy is going to step up in the moment, I think. So I'd like to see him have a good game. Not too good a game, especially when you pick the Celtics in five. You don't want to see them lose that first game and have them have to douchebag it from there. So, yeah. uh, but uh, I do I do think because he started off incredibly well there in Brooklyn, his second half of the season wasn't as good. He looked like he was actually slowing down a little bit, maybe a little bit fatigued from so much basketball. He's 33 years old now, but I do believe Paddy is a big-time performer. He hasn't been to the playoffs since 2019 with the Spurs. Uh, but, again, this is a, an opportunity where there's going to be shots. They're going to need someone else to knock them down. And uh, Paddy's going to be coming around off those screens, and he's going to get plenty of opportunity. So hopefully he can deliver. Okay, I'll uh, double down on my Malik Beasley pick to uh, the guy that could have a, a dominant game one. Malik Threesley there for the Wolves. It's going to be important that they can uh, stretch the floor and knock him down. Simple as that. Uh, we'll see if he can have an awesome game and maybe they can, yeah, pull off the quote-unquote upset, that game one against the Grizzlies, and then, by God, we would be, we'd be in for one hell of a series if that, if that does happen. So that's where I'll go. Let's hear from everybody in the stream team. We're going to take one more break when we come back. Tweet of the night and rapid fire. Don't go anywhere. 
You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, <laughs> I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shea Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shea Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dom- Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina wine mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. All right, back with No Dunks. Before we get to Tweet of the Night, uh, the question is, Lee, will you have a Bud Light this weekend while you watch some of the NBA playoff games? I want to enjoy it. (laughs) (laughs) No. Ben Simmons quote for us. <laughs> uh, okay, let's get to Tweet of the Night. Mm, tweet of the Night. Wow. Twitter. JD, Tweet of the Night. What do you got, man? Yeah, man, I got Tweet of the Night. <laughs> and uh, it actually comes from... Uh, our good friend Jason Concepcion, uh, who I always go to when I have tweet of the night. Uh, there's there's gourmet spud, and then right after that, there's Jason Concepcion. Network with the three. He's always got the goods. He's always got his finger on the pulse. And really, what it is is he's bringing to my attention and the world's attention a new mm. account. I don't know if you guys saw this. Yeah. It's called. Uh, he basically says best account on the app, and it's a retweet of chaotic nightclub photos. Now wow. this this is my bag, baby. I love this stuff, <laughs> and I went deep. And it's relatively new. I think they only have about forty tweets, thirty nine or forty tweets. Okay. I mean, and it took me a minute to figure out what was going on in this picture. To be fair, there's some uh, distractions. And apologies, apologies to our uh, audio listeners. You got to go to YouTube and check this out, or just go to the website. But look at the woman oh. underneath. <laughs> uh, it's just great. And this account has all sorts of just gold like this guy. <laughs> this is just a middle-aged man who decided to take his 
shirt off at the nightclub. As well, he had you a do. sweater underneath. Yeah, yeah, and he's a very hairy, a hair suit, gentlemen, if you will. Mm. Kind of, kind of like our friend like, Tim Harry's son. What's that, Taz? Yeah, he looks like Tim Harrison. Yeah, it is. It is, Tim. I have apologies to Tim. Wow. And now I and it also includes, you know, bar mishaps where you take a picture with <laughs> Oh, mate. that's a good one. This is I mean, I've done this to people and I've had it done to me. It's just you put your arm around a guy, he's, you got your neck your 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 hand around the neck of the bottle and it just pours straight <laughs> that down. Looks like Photoshop. I know yeah. it's good. Crazy. Both of those faces look like you use that make your face look like a baby app. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. uh, this has got to be in Europe because these boys are way too young to be. In yeah. Yeah. Uh, it looks so, like a strap on a bag, that beer stream. It doesn't yeah, look real. What a perfect stream. Too perfect. That's pretty great. Uh, so we've got drinking mishaps. We've got dancing mishaps. And I actually fear for this woman's safety. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Whoa. But uh, yeah, I, I just love the, uh, the outfit is great. Uh, I, I, you know, I just watching her try to get up after this in those heels. Hilarious, Holy. I think, but uh, I, I hope she's okay. Um, <laughs> oh, wow. Now, I hadn't noticed the heels yet. Right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Uh, so then there's shenanigan picture. Now, they have a lot of these where there's a woman in the <laughs> foreground here. <laughs> she's got lipstick on, but also all over her face. And then the the guy behind her, yeah. same shade of lipstick smeared all over. And hopefully this, the guy next to her isn't her boyfriend oh that is good uh so yeah and i listen i worked in a in a nightclub uh in greece and i had i've seen all of this all of it and uh you know a night in a nightclub is not complete without some barf now i didn't want to show a barf picture Uh, but i have to show this one because it's goddamn beautiful look at this (laughs) it's so good oh it's so good it's amazing it's like uh one of my favorite euphemisms for throwing up you know you've You've heard throwing, uh, you know, driving the porcelain bus. You've heard of ralphing. What, one of my favorite terms for that is whistling beef. This guy is whistling beef. Gee, we uh, just did all this work to get our YouTube subscribers up, and now we just lost uh, them all in one photo. Hit, hit one whistling out. beef got rid of all of them. Whistling and uh, yeah. I love the girls in the yeah. background who are loving every second of it. Wow. So good. Anyways, shout out to uh, Jason Concepcion for introducing me to my favorite new Twitter account, Chaotic Nightclub Photos. It's good. It's good. Lee, I, I assume you have a chaotic nightclub photo of your own. I thought you were, I thought you were searching for and we would have ready to go in your minutes. But, uh... I am working on it as we speak, actually. <laughs> uh, hey, hey, Dickie. Hey, Dad. Where's the photo of me taking a dump got... on the dance floor when I was 18? Yeah, no, let, me see if I can, uh, let me see if I can bring it up here. Uh, oh, my Because goodness. it's similar to uh, it's similar there to JD's first one. This is actually in Bongo Bongo's in Miami. That's my... <laughs> that... that... <laughs> That gentleman there is uh, Big Darren. 
yeah. and then the gentleman in the white is my brother Tim, and they're very they're like best friends those two. And even Tim, who's seen everything with Darren across multiple continents, he's kind of like, <laughs> wow, I've never seen this before from Big Darren. <laughs> <laughs> that guy's freaking huge. Yeah, yeah. he's eighteen eggs a day. Yeah, that's <laughs> <laughs> wow. shout out right. the big plug. But good friends with the Gulch too. Big plug. Oh, so, that uh, was good. Those, yeah. comes big around gulch. circle, full circle. <laughs> okay, excellent. Well, let's wrap up this drop podcast with a little rapid fire fun. Lee's got the questions. Trey, Tass, and JD have the answers. Yes, I do. Uh, first one here. This week, Netflix announced that it's adding a new two thumbs up rating option to offer better recommendations for their shows. What's an emoji you would like to add to just your everyday life? Trey. It was the middle of January and the Bulls were on top of the world. First place in the Eastern Conference. Story of the NBA. And that's when I told Laura, if they win a championship, I'm getting the eyes and the red circle tattooed on my lower back. So I would be happy to do it. But it's feeling like my back is going to stay... Stay a virgin back. That's <laughs> what it's feeling like at this point. But I would do it. I'll follow through. I'll get a C red tattoo right there. Hey, can we remix it right now? Would you do it if they just beat the Bucks in the first round? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yes. Yes. Okay. I, I just became the biggest Bulls fan. <laughs> uh, Tess. The emoji I'd want to add to my life. Well, I think on a practical sense, like I'd want a you sure emoji, like a what? You know, like a sort of an, an eyebrow up, like a rock emoji whenever I'm making a choice, like whenever I need to do something. Uh, yeah, I want that to pop up when I'm thinking about this question. Huh? Got to add an emoji to my life? Really? Huh? <laughs> yeah, one of those. I guess they do have the one eyebrow up emoji, but it doesn't do yeah. enough for me. I like, I like this guy. I like the... Yeah. Thinking man. Yeah. Think man. Yeah. I love that. Uh, JD. Yeah, mine is um, hurry up. Like when I'm, a, I'm, I spend a lot of time waiting for my kids in the car or whatever, or just waiting for them to, you know, come downstairs or whatever. And it's, I need, I need this. Like <laughs> I need some kind of, come on, let's go. Like not the clapping emoji, but the, the back of the hand, like let's get going. That kind of thing. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And I, I can't find it. Yeah. Well, I, I, we use a lot of gifts around here. Emojis just don't do it. They don't cut it, you know? <laughs> yeah. Okay, question two. On Tuesday night, Patrick Beverly celebrated the Timberwolves' win over the Clippers by jumping up on the scorer's table, taking his jersey off, throwing it into the crowd, stomping around on the court for several minutes after the game. But... All the all the win meant was a first round matchup against the number two seed Memphis Grizzlies, who were favourites to win that series. So, when was a time you excessively celebrated a relatively minor success? Trey, uh, performing Timberwolves of Minnesota got it done. First take, thought it was great, liked every comment, retweeted every comment. Hearts, no dunks approves. <laughs> and I listened to it back. <laughs> and the first verse was very good. Yeah. <laughs> and it sounded better in studio, I think, probably because the guitar was overwhelming the backing track. And you couldn't hear the fact that on the, the third and fourth verses, I came in an entire measure early <laughs> and then played it too fast. But other than that, it was perfect. <laughs> <laughs> there, was that, a, it good. there was a part when you were doing it, and like, yeah, we're hearing it in our ears, the backing track. And I'm like, is he hearing something different? Like, as it went on, it was so far off. It was so far off. It was so far off. I was hearing it, 
but I wasn't at, like I was hearing that it was happening and I was like, this this seems like the beat in the tempo. So I'm gonna go with it. I'm not gonna stop and yeah, start over. Like, we're through. just gonna ride it out here. So if the Wolves go to the NBA final, <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. we'll record a proper version mm actual backing track maybe oh, music video maybe we can, yeah yeah a full music video we can get all of the doyle boys to learn various instruments and put on a full <laughs> Good idea. performance here and right. maybe get a tattoo as well you can get the, another yeah, sure why not <laughs> yeah uh, i'm but so glad I, I had a perfect experience then because i turned down my headphones entirely so i didn't hear the backtracking <laughs> at all because we had a, some feedback bouncing around from somewhere oh, yeah. so i just turned mine down so i'm so glad that happened because i thought it was perfect yeah. <laughs> live it was the guitar was Perfect. Ass, when was the time you overly celebrated a relatively minor success? Well, you guys remember what we were given right when we got to NBA TV. It was that half Canadian, half American flag in that huge frame. The frame weighed like a billion pounds. I got our man, Mike Kaplan, to go into our office and pull it out and give it to me. And I finally hung it up this week, found a couple studs and uh put that thing up you know it was pretty easy when it came down to it but i'm not a, i'm not much of a hanger so it got up i celebrated uh and as a an e a fan of ours who is a vexillologist email a vexillology the study of flags if you oh. remember a few months ago wow. he saw a photo of it he said vexillologically speaking so there's so many l's in there he said vexillologically speaking that thing is beautiful and I entirely <laughs> agree. Danielle didn't want me to put it up. She said, where are you going to put it in our house? Where, where You're not going to put, put a double flag in our house. Well, I put it outside. I salute it just like Trey does his bulls. No, I put it I put it in the garage, in the gym. Uh, okay. Perfect gym. Perfect nice. gym equipment. That's a good gym flag. It's yeah. like... I mean, why wouldn't you put it in your house? You're, you're part... I mean, your wife's American. You're Canadian. Like, it's... That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, it's a flag, weird... Fl is it flags, weird? I don't know. Yeah. Sort of, I guess. But anyways, it's a, vexillologically speaking, it's very oh, nice. So nice. I had to put it up. Nice. Hmm. <laughs> JD, when was the time you celebrated a <laughs> relatively minor success? Well, it's not it's not me. It was uh, over the my Mexican vacation. It was, it was a family affair, and my uh, my nephew, my brother, and his wife, and uh, my nephew was there, uh, who's four, and uh, my kids, Lincoln and Jackson, who are. Lincoln almost 16 and uh, Jackson just turned 14. They were playing basketball together on a mini hoop, basically. And Harrison, four, on offense uh, against Lincoln and Jackson, <laughs> who were on defense. And uh, it was basically like the Monstars versus Tweety, right? <laughs> so, you know, Harrison taking the ball, traveling all the way. But they let it go. They let mm -hmm. that go. He tried to dunk the ball in the mini hoop, and Lincoln just bats it out of his hand. <laughs> and they were both like, and they're pure, they're mont, they're they're huge now. Lincoln six two. Wow. <laughs> you know, like Lincoln in your face. You know, both of them, like, relaxing, and it was just by the pool, to like a just four year old, to a four year old. Yeah. And uh, it, you know he did not take it very well. Uh, it was uh, yeah, there was a, there were some tears, and cool. then they felt bad, and they were like, um, "Should I apologize?" <laughs> like, yeah, maybe, but you know, it's fine. It's you know, if he's gonna play with the big boys, he's gonna yeah, how you get better. There you go. That's how you get better. So, <laughs> uh, 
So everybody was fine, but uh, it was it was a bit much. So that's what came, <laughs> came to mind when you posed this question. Okay, last question here. Sticking with Patrick Beverly, because at the post-game press conference after Tuesday's game, he continued to talk about how much the game meant to him because he was on the Clippers last season and he felt like he was treated badly by the organization after he said he gave blood, sweat and tears to them. Okay, guys, let's get dirty. Let's get nasty. When was the time you got revenge on somebody, Trey? Uh, back in college, there was a, a big rivalry between the basketball bros and the football bros. And we met up in the semifinals of our wiffle ball intramural championship. We'd had a lot of drama during the football season because a lot of us basketball bros did pay- work for the school paper. Our football team was like one of the worst football teams in the nation, like losing by 60 points on the regular so their star was pretty pissed, especially at uh, like our second baseman. He's like, you guys are a bunch of weasels. I'll never forget he called us weasels. It was <laughs> one of the funniest things. We met up in the semifinals. This guy is on the mound pitching to Mike Schmidt, not not the baseball <laughs> not, player. Not the, not the legend? Yeah, not the legend, just uh, this dude. He winds up, gets ready to throw the pitch, says game over, throws <laughs> the pitch, Schmidt hits it. There's errors all around. Pat Murphy scores from first. We take the win, and we're just talking shit. Oh, who's the weasels now, Kevin? Who's the weasels now? So we went to the finals, and we 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 smashed uh, the younger baseball bros. Had two wins in the in the championship series. Hit two dingers, and then we we over celebrated Patrick Beverly style. Wow. I remember just like eating nachos in bed. That oh, was like a, wow. that was the that was the big <laughs> celebration. Was like at the end of the night, we just had a bunch of nachos laying around. We're doing our bunk talk, <laughs> just oh, eating man. nachos in bed. Oh, good times, good times. Wow. So glad I asked. That's great. A <laughs> uh, bunch of weasels. That's an awesome. That was an awesome insult. <laughs> That's a funny way. <laughs> Sassy, when when did you get revenge? That's funny you bring up late night eats, Trey, because uh, Danielle always says I'm really good at eating our, our little kids' snacks. They're they're special foods that nobody's supposed to touch. Well, Wednesday we went to the basketball game. I didn't have any dinner, so I was home. I was, I was hungry when I got home, so I went into their stash and I showed her. I ate all of their little jingle jangle snack from Trader Joe's. Uh, So am I just proving her point? I guess. But at the same time, I showed her, I don't care. I don't care if you tell me that I eat their snacks. I love that jingle jangle snacks. I was surprised how much I ate, but I was starving. I didn't get, I didn't, I should have gone like uh, Lee and I guess, I don't know if the rest of you guys did. There was some freebies or some popcorn. There was some. A grill down there. Yeah. What a mistake. I made a mistake and I just ended up eating sugar. Did I pay for it the next day? You betcha. <laughs> what, wait, is it actually called Jingle Jangles or are you just making that up? Because they got uh, weird names, I know. Yeah, yeah, I think it might be, but I'm not 100% certain. It comes in a yellow bag. Uh, I think it might be. It's it's a nice chocolate mix right oh. now. Perfect. Nice. Okay, JD, tell us about a time you got revenge. Yeah, so getting back to kids, uh, one day when Jackson was four, all this is back when he was four, uh, he casually walked by me in his underwear, lifted his leg, and farted at me. <laughs> you guys don't know me as a big farter here in the classic factory or in the office, but I, I never forgot that. And about a week <laughs> later, I tricked him. 
I basically lifted up the back of my shorts and said, is there something on my thigh, you know, like on the back of my thigh? Check for a mole or something? Yeah. Like, it feels like there's something there. And he put his, his face was right up my ass. And I had the best fart, like just, it was, it was the chef's kiss of, of uh, farts. And I just let it rip. Oh man, he was so mad. And I basically turned around to him and I said, now we're in a fart war, and we've been in the war. This wow. war has been going on for ten years, so wow. it continues. Wow, hey, he's a big performer. He doesn't yeah. fart often. When he does, you remember him. It's he like starts a war is. when he does. Yeah. <laughs> okay. He's not going around for it. All right, fart in the van in Vegas. Now we're in a fart war. Yeah. Incredible. I would, I would never fart in a van in Vegas. Uh, I never. think you're the suspect in that one. Oh boy, <laughs> it's okay. a cold case. I don't. Uh, it's a warm case, really. Yeah. It's a hot game. It's a hot that man was hot. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we got to call it there, guys. Uh, <laughs> nice to get a little beef whistling and farts in at the end, though. It's always great. Uh, email in your NBA questions to nodunksattheathletic.com. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, at nodunksinc. And get yourself an athletic subscription. Go to theathletic.com slash nodunks. If you want some nodunks merch, go to nodunks.com. I know we teased some jerseys, some uh, Grizzlies and Nuggets, uh, nodunks variations on some sweet jerseys. Don't worry, those are coming. We'll keep you posted on those but everybody have a great weekend again happy passover happy easter happy aster if you celebrate that and uh happy nba playoff weekend enjoy the games we'll be back on monday hopefully back in the classic factory to break down a majority of these series when we get to all of them i don't know i'm sure we'll upset some people by not talking long enough about a particular series but we'll do our best to recap uh what's going to be a very very busy weekend so everybody have fun enjoy the games and we will see you on monday till then clipper bros you heard it here first have a great time turn up love you guys awesome thanks for joining us and remember we we want to hear your predictions for the playoff series so i've uh, got a link here in the stream team if you're watching on youtube to one of the polls because i didn't know how to link the actual community tab where we've got all polls for all the playoff series the Celtics and Nets one is the one that's featured, but go vote on all of them. What do you think the leader in the Celtics versus Nets poll is? Celtics in how many? Because it's not the Nets. Oh, wow. We got a lot of Beantown boys. Hmm. Mm. Celtics in six. Six, I think, would be Yeah, popular. six is 32%. Seven is 23%, which is tied with the Nets in six. Nets in seven at 17%. And uh, Lee, the his pick, Celtics in five. Is that right, Lee? You said that's Celtics correct. Five. Six percent, only Ooh, 6%. Uh, six percent. Six minority left there. There it is. Go on right. and vote. Go vote, people. We'll see you on Monday. Embrace the weekend.